0: Welcome, everybody. We are so grateful that we have the ability uh, to worship together. Uh, we didn't develop this ability because of snow. We developed it because of uh, the pandemic. But I'm grateful we have it so we can be together, look outside our window and say and see 12 inches of snow and uh, and still have a chance to gather together in fellowship and worship to God. So thank you for joining us this morning. We're grateful for your faithfulness. And I'm looking forward to next Sunday when uh, many of us, uh, if it's safe, will be able to gather together back in our uh, building. Uh, we'll still be wearing masks, as uh, Larry said, still be social distancing and, and and doing the seating that we did. But it'll be fun to be back together. It's going to be a balmy uh, 42, 45 degrees. Jeremy said we ought to have a church picnic. Uh, so be looking forward to that. If you're able to join us safely, uh, please do that. So today is Valentine's Day. Uh, husbands, if you didn't know that, uh, now you know. Um, and I, I Googled, you know, terrible greeting card uh, messages for Valentine's Day. And I got a few um uh, here's a couple, I'm just going to share them with you. If I had feelings, I would have them for you. Uh, Roses are red, violets are blue, you're a horrible boyfriend, it's time you knew. Uh, To my special valentine, next to Ronald McDonald, I love you best. Um... And this one, this is not a greeting, I don't think. It's just, it's attributed to Will Ferrell. Before you marry a person, you should make them use a computer with slow internet service to see who they really are. And uh, here's another one that I really like. This is actually attributed to Pearl Bailey, but who knows. What the world needs now is more love and less paperwork. To which I say, amen. Amen. Um, So Valentine's Day is a day in which uh, Hallmark Greeting Company and other and chocolate manufacturers get us to think about love. Uh, However, the love that this day focuses on has only a tangential relationship to the love that I want to preach about this morning. Uh, It's not really Bible love. It's it's romantic love is actually a separate Greek word for that in the uh, In in the Bible, Eros, the love we're talking about, agape love. I will say this. If you never develop the kind of love that the Bible is talking about, probably this romantic kind of love is just going to be a cycle of failure, too. Uh, This is something that all human beings, I'm going to claim, are called to. This is what we are made for and we need to develop this agape love this self-giving love and this is going to be the last sermon i have in this series on experiencing god every day this is one of the key ways to have more god in your life every single day is to learn this bible kind of love this agape this self-sacrificing self-giving Love. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to look at several passages. um, And so I'll just tell you what those are as we go along. The first one we're going to is going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. We'll go to that in just a second. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Let me start with a question, though. What does it mean to be a success? In our culture today... If somebody says to you, oh, she's a, a magnificent success, she is so successful, he is such a success, what do we mean by that usually? What kinds of things are you being told when we use that idea? Well, normally it has to do with money or uh, artistic triumph of some kind and more money and, or popularity and more money and Uh, You know, great beauty uh, that's recognized, and more money. Uh, Our culture really does measure success by those kinds of markers, almost always accompanied by how much money you make. We're a very commercial, very capitalistic culture, and that's just kind of what success means. And, you know, we do have a story about success. Work hard, be smart, and you can be successful. But a lot of us also know, well, yeah, but the real success is, it's, it takes hard work and it takes talent, but, man, sometimes it just takes getting a lucky break, you know, being in the right place at the right time. Um, I'm here to tell you something that's super important for us to understand about who we are and what we are. You have, right where you are, whatever age you are, whatever your life circumstances are, you have the ability to be a success by the only measure that really matters. Because to be a success is to learn to love God. To be a successful human being, what you were built to do is to grow in your capacity to love the God who loves you and who created you. This passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, is like the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. It's like the the passage that's supposed to explain everything else, essentially, uh, in the entire Old Testament, the entire Bible of the Hebrews. Hear, O Israel! The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. What it takes to be a successful human being is to learn to love God. Everything else is kind of human standards, and some of those standards are truly, truly Messed up. But what it takes to be a successful human being is to fall in love with the, the creator, God, who who is already in love with you, and to live in that love. And actually, part of what this series, these past few weeks, has been meant to communicate is you are already sort of being drawn to love of God. Because God has filled our world and filled your life with so many good gifts and so many good things. And he's around all the time if we just open our eyes to see him in the blessings that we receive and in in the best things in our lives that we are drawn to and desire and strive for. All of that exists and is empowered by the fact that God has created us. The things you love most are reflections of the God who loves you. And so loving God is actually something simple you can do. You can start doing right now anything that you passionately, passionately love and really respect and admire and view as worthwhile. Anything like that in your life that's going on, just take a minute to be sincerely thankful to God for that. To praise God some for that, to say, God, I... I'm just so grateful that this is part of what you created and it's you've made it possible for me to experience this. And it can anything that really strikes you that way as worthy and valuable is a reflection of the God who loves you. He's given it to you because he loves you and you start loving him back by giving him thanks. You want to be a success? Learn to love God. In fact... Human beings, that's what we exist for. Let's make humans in our image. The image of God, human beings are created in. And another part of scripture, 1 John 4, which we studied last week, says God is love. You, human beings, are made to start to reflect the image of your creator, God, who is love. If you look at the playlist on Netflix or Amazon Prime or any of the other streaming services, you look at what shows in movie theaters, you know, when movie theaters used to be a thing, hopefully they will be some someday, or, or you know, popular novels, you'll know that human beings really like love stories. That's not the only kind of stories that we like, but we really like love stories. Uh, we, we like, to, you know, the drama of falling in love and all of that kind of thing. Um, A few years back on OC, we had Nicholas Sparks come out to do a lecture for us. He's famous for some of the uh, writing very, very popular love stories. Probably his most successful one uh, was turned into a movie uh, called The Notebook. Uh, And and that one seared in my memory just because of an experience I had when, uh, when some of us from Wilshire went to Nigeria and we had weeks in several different places. We spent a couple of weeks in uh, Nigerian Christian Hospital in the the middle of southern Nigeria. And uh, so we were there and and I was teaching some lessons and, uh, but there were, there were student nurses and student doctors that were also there. And one day we kind of had an afternoon off, at least some of the student nurses did. And we, you know, Nigerian TV was not in a language any of us could understand. They had some old VHSs and the notebook was on one of those. So these student nurses, all of whom were female, uh, decided it would be fun for the afternoon to watch the notebook. Now, I don't know if any of you have seen this movie, Uh, but these these were young women uh, in their 20s who had been away from home at this point for five weeks They were not sleeping that well. Uh, Food was different. Uh, They were under very stressful conditions during their working time at Nigerian Christian Hospital. They were trying to, you know, relax a little bit, and they put in this movie, and I happened to be there in the room. I I cried, but the whole room, I thought that the room was going to fill up. I really, I mean, everybody, we were crying for the last hour of the movie essentially. It is a heartbreaking ending. It's a great love story really got some triumphant moments but it is a it is a weepy movie at the end and um, Nicholas Sparks says you know about that story and some of his other stories he says every real love story is a tragic love story you know it Hollywood likes rom-coms, you know, where there's a happy ending. Said so even love stories that end happily for a moment are ultimately, you know, going to end with sadness because if nothing else, someone in that couple is going to pass away. And so all real love stories are tragic love stories. Except one. What you are made for, human, what you are made for, child of God, what you are made for, Christian brother and sister, is to fall in love with the God who already loves you. And you are meant to enjoy that love forever. You fall in love with God and make that the big love affair of your life. And you will never have to be separated from your lover, ever. That's what you're made for. That's what it means to be a successful human being. And and that is the promise that we have, that God already loves you. That's what he wants for you. He wants you and him together forever, enjoying each other's love. Now, that has an implication for how we treat each other. And the Bible's not shy about telling us what that implication is. If I am made in the image of God, and God is love, then clearly I'm not just loving God, I'm also imaging God. I'm pushing the picture of God out into the world by loving the people around me. And Jesus is explicit about that, and uh, the other parts of the scriptures are explicit about that as well. Passage I want to read next if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 6 and starting down there in about verse 27. And this is part of what we've come to call Luke's Sermon on the Plain. It sounds a lot like some of the material from the Sermon on the Mount and some other material. We think Jesus preached. You know, lots of different times, lots of different ways. And uh, Luke records these things. Luke 6, verses 27 through 36. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not ask for it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. But if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend just to those who you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind even to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. You know, there are times I wish Jesus would just be more vague about what he's asking us to do, and this is one of those times. Jesus says, this is what human life is about. And all the problems we want to point out about how the world is messed up and all the things that are wrong with individual people's lives and and our politics and our international relationships, everything ultimately gets back to failures. To actually be what human beings are built to be. That is, reflections of God's gracious love and mercy. But Jesus isn't kidding around. When he says, somebody slaps you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek. Somebody takes away your clothes. Give them. Give. Now, I will tell you, you'll go nuts, and it'll be bad for you if you try to turn Jesus' words into the new Ten Commandments. Okay, well, those are the rules. So how am I going to apply the rules? And let's figure that you you will that you will drive yourself crazy as speaking from experience. I've tried to do that. It does not work. And that's not really the correct way to even understand what's going on here or in the Sermon on the Mount either. Jesus is painting a picture for us of what it's like when we are starting to feel that flow from the love of God through us out into the world. When, when we love God and that God, that love of God is starting to be able to flow through us, it's almost like God is, is loving the people around us, using us as his instruments, as his willing agents to do that. And as that starts happening, this is what your life looks like. It's all... Uh, Governed there by verse 31: Do to other people, we call that the golden rule. Do to other people what you would have them do to you, treat other people the way you would have them tr- tr- treat you. See, because if you try to take Jesus's words and turn them into the new law, you'll say, Okay, well, I'm gonna grit my teeth, I'm gonna try to try to love and. Somebody slaps me on the cheek. I guess I'll I'll turn the other cheek. Uh, I have heard people say, "Yeah, but if they slap that cheek too, then it's on." And 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 I promise you, you go down very far the road of trying to turn Jesus's words into absolute laws of some kind. You your mind will not be able to help itself be looking for exceptions. Okay, yeah, but when do I get to when do I actually get to punch somebody? you know when is it that they have gone so far across the line that i finally can just kind of unleash and you you hear what your brain is telling you you hear what that fallen part of your flesh is telling you it's saying okay jesus tells me i got to try to be loving but i want to know when it is i can finally take the gloves off and let out all this garbage that's actually in my heart all the resentment all the anger all the rest. I want to know when, according to the Bible, that I can finally just punch the enemies that deserve it so much. Doing to others what you would have them doing to you is the answer. Have you ever slapped somebody, hit somebody, the equivalent of? what Jesus is talking about here, and immediately regretted doing it and wished you could take it back. You ever done that? I have. What is it that you need in that moment? You've kind of given cause to the other person to retaliate and come after you, right? But if you're sincerely regretting it and wishing you could take it back and wishing you could, you know, make you know, fix the relationship and do something different. What you really need is a person who's bigger than you in that moment to overcome the evil that you did, refrain from retaliating, and instead try to do what you need rather than what you deserve in that moment. That's true for all these other things, these illustrations that Jesus gives as well. Do what the person needs, rather than maybe even what they deserve. It's the only way to understand love your enemies. Your enemies are really bad sometimes, really bad. And what they deserve, as far as we can figure out, may be really awful. But you try as best you can. If you're trying to love like God loves, you're trying to do what is best for them. Now, Sometimes people don't give you a lot of options, and what may be best for a person is that they, you know, get taken where they can't hurt anybody for a while. That happens. But you don't do that out of revenge. You don't do that out of some sense of, ah, finally got to let the dogs off the leash on you. Every time, every decision is is out of the fact that God has been loving me, and I'm trying to learn to love the way he loves. There is no line that we cross. There is no line that your enemies cross, that puts them past your love and God's call for you to love them. Now, if you want, as we've been talking about in this sermon series, to experience God every day, This is the way to do it. God has been loving you your whole life. When you don't even notice, when you just take it for granted, God's still loving you. And when you're desperate because you've fallen into sin and you need God's forgiveness, God has been loving you and and working to bring you back to a better place in your life. God's been doing that for you. And if you want God in your life, you start doing that to the people around you. And the more you do, the more you experience God. Jesus is painting us a picture of our growth vector, of where it is that we are meant to to grow as we grow in being successful human beings, learning to love the way God has loved us. Brothers and sisters, I love all of you. I am so grateful To be part of this congregation. I have felt love. You know I think Jeremy and I would agree. uh, We preachers we probably get way more than our share. Of appreciation and love. More than we deserve. And I don't stop. I love it. I, I don't want you to quit. But brothers and sisters. If you never listen to any other sermon I ever preach. I want you to hear this one. You are made to love God with everything you've got and to have that love begin to flow out of you into the world so that you love the people around you. Let's have a prayer. Dear God and Father, we thank you so much that you love us We thank you so much that you've gotten us through so many rough things. And God, we are grateful that you've given us each other to to hold each other up, to encourage each other, to strengthen what's weak and to applaud what's strong. God, we pray that you will give each person in our congregation and everyone listening the power this week to take a few more steps down the road of your love. To love you and to love the people around them this is what we pray in the name of your mighty son jesus christ amen